Welcome back to the third installment of my summer sessions where I'm replaying some of my favorite clips from past episodes that I think will get you inspired and energized while I hope you are getting some rest and relaxation this summer. This one is with Kia Abrera and she talks about recognizing burnout and finding her own work-life balance. This is something everybody needs to hear and it's particularly poignant as we enjoy the rest of our summers. Enjoy. You're listening to the No BS Agency Podcast. We talk strategies that can take your one to two person branding agency from $5,000 to $30,000 per month without hiring employees or working your ass off. All you have to do is cut the BS. I am Pia Silva. When, how long ago did you start this business and, and how'd you get into it? It was six years ago, close to seven years now, actually. But we started it mainly because we didn't like the way that, you know, the advertising industry was treating creatives. Basically, that was because of our, our own experience in this advertising agency that we were in. And who's we? My husband and I. So yeah, my husband and I, we were in the same advertising agency and that's where we met and we kind of resonated with each other when we said that we just didn't want to be like factory workers churning out all of these creative stuff and creative work where everything seems so templated and you know people will say hey kia we need this requirement and we need it yesterday so you know we were burned out and it just seemed like we were no longer serving clients but instead, we were just we were just living from paycheck to paycheck, or as we like to create it, we were creating for paycheck to paycheck. So it just wasn't it just wasn't working for us. And I think one of the biggest things that kind of propelled us to just resign and just start our own thing was the fact that we were looking for something more. And I mentioned it to the management of that agency, and we were looking to to do something more, you know, fulfilling with what we were doing. And during one of our like sessions, I saw that they were, they, they, they put on the board what I said about serving clients. And then they had a parenthesis that said, ha ha. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, hmm. So when we had like one of these sessions that we call like town halls, we had one of those sessions where we were looking at our goals for our quarterly and our our uh, business goals they said to us these these management they said to us that the reason or ultimately what they want to do is to retire early that's it like that's the big goal so it got us realizing that maybe the reason i mean i don't want the reason for my work or the creative stuff that i'm doing to just fuel someone else's dream of retiring early so there has to be something more than this. So after that, we just kind of, you know, flipped the table and we just, <laughs> we left. So <laughs> Your flip the table moment. I like that. Yeah, I flipped the table and mic drop and we just left. So, but we were very honest because we were just, we were tired of the industry that, you know, lets us leave at four in the morning and we're expected to be back at nine. So it was just, it wasn't, oh gosh. it's not something that's, that's designed for the creative mind. So it's really, it burnt us out. It 
got me sick and all of that. So uh, that was the only reason why we wanted to start our own business outside of that is because we wanted to disrupt or maybe we wanted to change something in that industry. And then everything just evolved over time. I think the reason why a business moves forward is also the progressing of your motivations. I love it. At first, it was just, you know, we just wanted to resign because we were exhausted and we wanted to, you know, be our own bosses. And then out comes your book. <laughs> and then, you know, right around that. Yeah, yeah. Out comes your book. And uh, so that's actually something I want to thank you for because that totally changed the way that we saw, you know, handling our business. So that oh, was wow. I didn't amazing. Know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Wait, so to um, back up a second, can I ask? Because it's a really ballsy move to flip yeah. the table and go out <laughs> on your own. What, where do you think you got that inspiration? Do you have any entrepreneurs in your family or any friends who are entrepreneurs? Or was this like, I don't know anybody doing this, but I'm going to figure it out or combination? One of the biggest entrepreneurs that I look up to is my grandfather. His name, he's a doctor, actually. So he's one of the most successful orthopedic surgeons in the U.S., actually. Okay. He, his name is Dr. Ramon Gustilo. And he's, he's a Filipino doctor. And he, he kind of set his mark. And one of, the, one of the things that he taught me was that you can always do something more. That's, what, that's, the, like, that's the biggest thing that he taught me as a surgeon. He knew that as a Filipino, he had to compete with a lot of, you know, other races. It, it wasn't enough that he was going to be equal to them. He has to be better than them. So what he did was he did something more. So it wasn't just him becoming this amazing orthopedic surgeon. He also became an entrepreneur and an inventor. So he has like, I don't know, 20 patents to his name. And oh, wow. he's an inventor. He has like fracture classifications named after him so that's how big he is in the orthopedic um, surgery orthopedics industry so he's an entrepreneur so he has a lot of these ideas on how to make people's lives better in terms of you know orthopedic surgery and what i noticed was that he was so dedicated and so passionate about his craft and it's not just that he was so passionate about serving people and that was the bottom line. So as much as he could serve other people, that's what he's going to do, both as a, a surgeon in practice and as an entrepreneur. And I've looked up to him so much. And I said that, you know, that's that's the life that I want to make for myself. And it's not just because, you know, he's like super rich, but <laughs> but it was because of the many people that he was helping. So whenever I go back to my province, and he would be there and you would see that people are coming up to him and thanking him for helping them. And I said, you know, that, that's a really good life. That's a life well lived. So that's kind of the inspiration that I got. And when we jumped, when we made that jump into entrepreneurship, I was like, you know what? This is really good because we can do something more. So it's not just as, you know, sitting on a desk, and just turning out all of these things. So, yeah, that's that that's something that really propelled us forward. And he's one of the people who I really, really looked up to. Yeah, that's a huge inspiration. Did you did you ever reach out to him for advice? Yes, I always do. <laughs> Every time that we would visit him, because sometimes he would take us for projects. He would hire us for projects. 
So and and I love it because he was always paying us right, and he you know he makes sure that we're well compensated, and he just walks his talk, and I. I love it because every time that we would do those projects with him, of course we had to, we had to shoot him and we had to do all of these things. And he would always be in the position to give us like entrepreneurship advice. So, you know, the basic things, but he would always uh, reinforce the fundamentals. So you, you got to know that, you know, you, you have to do something more. That's always the number one thing. You do something more and you focus and, and things like that. So, you know, he, he's been there for us. That's amazing. Yeah. So nice to have somebody like that in your in your life and in your family too yeah. to to look up to and and to give you that kind of support. And I can totally see that in you now that you're telling this story, Kia. I I would love to if it's all right with you, you shared something with us recently and I would love to talk about it because I think it's a really important thing for for everybody to talk about, which is the idea that you are this incredible marketer and video producer and editor and strategist and all of these things and you're in the philippines mm -hmm. and you know what is what is that you're looking for clients all over the world yeah and what does that mean what does that mean to other people who find you and the interactions that you had I, if you're willing there's a lot of calls that i've been in and it's not just calls actually like emails and and people that have gone back to me internationally who always say that the reason why they're reaching out to filipino talent quote unquote is that they wanted labor one of them said that labor to be cheaper so one of them actually wanted to pay like $200 for 30 days of content with videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and, and then there was, there were a couple of them it's crazy who has like one, one version or another of, of them saying, what was that? If I was going to pay that amount, I would just go with a white person. Like they would literally um, say that and i'm like and they said that to okay. you they said the that phone. to me on zoom <laughs> on zoom oh my god <laughs> so i was like the nerve hmm. okay yeah i think the last straw oh or, or like the last time that i heard that and like my ears were just boiling so i but i had to calm down so it it was a version of them saying yeah because uh, we we know that the philippines they I know you, you guys can charge like $500 for this something, whatever. And then I just told them because I was, I was pissed, but I had to hide it. I just told them, well, I've got Filipino clients who pay four times that. So I had to so tell them that. F you. <laughs> so like, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, and then I just told them that I, I understand if it's not a good fit. There are probably others that you'd be more fit to work with you. And then it's nice talking to you. Bye. You're a classy broad, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's and and uh, and smart. I mean, that's right. So there's like a few things here. Gosh, the first time you told me that, it was such a a gut punch. And it's not like it's I'm not aware of that. It just I don't know when people have the audacity to say something so blatantly horrible to your face. That's kind of another level of yeah shittiness. But a couple of things. First, there's the part of it that I think is actually universally experienced by mm -hmm. people in the creative world, which is the, right. you're talking to someone and they just think something should cost a certain amount of money right. because that's their budget. And that's, and 
you know, I think all creatives all over the world have had that experience where somebody says, oh, I need a logo. It should cost like $100. <laughs> and and yeah. it has, right? And so that has nothing to do with anything except this person's own, you know, not not knowing how much things cost or or just that's their budget. There are people who will do this for $50. There are people that will do, there might be people who will do editing for $200 yeah. somewhere in the world, maybe in the Philippines. So it's not like that part of it is, I think that can be common across. But then there's this other part of it that really sucks for you, <laughs> I think, particularly <laughs> in the Philippines, particularly because it's a country where there's a lot, there's a lot of entrepreneurial literature about outsource to the Philippines because it's cheap. Yes. So yeah. people have gotten that in their head. And so that sucks because now they're bulking you in with that. They can get cheap labor in the Philippines. So they just assume that everybody in the Philippines is cheap, which right. is not the same thing. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so that's an unfortunate part. So, so first of all, what do you think of those two things? Like, let's talk about it. I think with the first thing that you discussed, I think it's not just, you know, it, it, yeah, you're right. It's not just the Philippine thing. I think it's a creatives thing. It's because, you know, creativity has no like tangible, tangible value. I, I don't know if that's the correct term, but it, it has no tangible value. So of the value of a creative output is, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of entrepreneurs is that creativity can be can solve business problems. And that's always the way that I try to position things when I do, you know, strategy calls or uh, discovery calls. It's not just, you know, people saying, hey, I need a logo or, hey, I need a website. But sometimes it's it's what it means is that, you know, the reason why they need a logo is maybe they're not standing out enough or they don't have an identity that that stands out. So the way that they try to price or put a value on creativity is just the output itself. So, you know, the Nike check is just the check, you know, or maybe if you're a cafe, like a logo cafe is just the, the drawing of that cup, you know, so they base the value on just like the tangible stuff, what, what they can see, what, what they can perceive and what they don't see is that, you know, this logo is going to be your identity. This is how you're going to be identified by your your clients. This is how, you know, how the client is going to decide if you're badass or not, you know? So this is something that they can't put a value on. So they well, can't... Well, and also yeah. because they haven't had that experience yet. I mean, generally, people who don't, who have those very low budgets have never had the experience of a logo having a greater value in a business because they're not that far along. So, yes. you know, I mean, I'm always trying to like understand. I wrote an article years ago about, you know, it's fine that there are people selling cheap logos. There are people buying cheap logos. Like <laughs> there are people who are very new to making logos and they need to do the cheap logos for practice. And, you know, yeah. so and it, and it you know what? Somebody who's buying a cheap logo who's never had a business before, that logo isn't necessarily worth that much to them because if they don't know what to do with it to make it to turn it into a thriving business then it might never go anywhere so you know i mean there's a lot of factors i i do remember that article actually that you wrote and you said that uh, i i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but i think yeah. i kind of perceived it in the lines of you know what if these clients need cheap logos then give them to the people who can do the cheap logos 
So yes. that then filters the people who come to you because then the clients who need the cheap logos, they're not going to go to you. So it's kind of like a filter for the clients who can afford you. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I think I probably I think I ended the article with saying they're just not your clients. Yes. So rather than look at somebody who wants two hundred dollars worth of I mean, co content for 30 days for $200 and be like, you idiot. <laughs> like, how could you think? It's like, I'm sure somebody will do that for you. Like, you're so not my client because what we do here is something that's completely different from that, which we're going to talk about in a second. But yeah, right. Like they're the racism is a different part of it but yes. just the sheer like not unmeeting of the minds at, at the price point just shows that they're just not your clients that's all yeah. that's all it shows right? yes it doesn't yes. show that they're bad people necessarily mm -hmm. again apart from the um, abhorrent racism it's they're not that they're bad people it's that they're just new really uneducated about it they don't know the impact of it yet to their business right. and that's something when we were starting out we were because when Mel and I started Braveworks we were like an all-in-one boutique agency and we were doing business cards and tarpaulins and you know graphic sure. design and e-posters and stuff like that so we were you know too many we, we were doing too many stuff and yes. yeah we we got exposed to you know the clients who need like to $100 logos or like a branding for I'm, I'm converting it in my head. It's like yeah. less than $500 for an entire branding package. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's totally. because been there. Right. Too. I mean, <laughs> that's that, what you do. That's yeah. what you do in the beginning. It's, it's yeah. stepping stones. It's experience. And I, I, I love, I think I heard this from you that like the more that the reason why you're raising your prices is because you're also raising your value. So when you're raising your value, you're, you know, you're adding more experience, you're adding more knowledge, you're adding more wisdom, you're adding more skills. So the more that you're upskilling yourself and the more that you're learning all of these things through experience and the more you can raise your price to, to be equal to the value that you're giving. So that's... And I, yeah. your process. Yes, and your exactly, process. exactly. Because you're like the way that you have de developed your process and how you packaged your services and how you deliver them. You know, you came from the agency world where you were doing really high level creative work. It's not necessary when you're starting, when you leave that job and you start on your own, it's not like the work isn't valuable in and of itself, but you still have to put the pieces of the business together. And part of that is the pricing and the process and the packaging and the messaging and the positioning and we also like whatever you got we can design anything like we can do a banner sure we can do a business card sure that actually makes the business not as valuable at that moment just because the the actual output of the creative is very good doesn't mean it's valuable if you don't yes. have the business around it to support it yeah it's a hard concept to grasp that's very true so so you know as we traverse this this complicated road of entrepreneurship and the more that we learned about you know business ourselves so i think that's one of the perks of us being a small agency it's because mm -hmm. we own the agency so we know the business side of things so when we're talking to clients we also know the business side of things when we're we're doing content marketing or when we're doing videos we know if a certain video is going to function as, uh, you know, a sales tool for a business. 
So we know if, you know, this is something that's going to, that's going to appeal to your target market. So it's now different. We're positioned differently than say when they compare us to wedding videographers or freelance photographers who can do video. So suddenly well, you're it's not the strategy. Yes, exactly. It's the strategy. It's the piece. strategy. Yeah, you're a high level strategist. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's something that we explain to clients every time that they, because before I didn't have an answer to what's the difference between hiring you and hiring this freelancer. I didn't have an answer to that before. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as we kind of, you know, progress through this road, we already formulate the answers for that. And the reason is that because we know business <laughs> and we know how <laughs> these things can function for your business. And we know that the more that you're delaying your decisions when it comes to your videos, the, de- the more that you're delaying the results of this video. So mm. that's something that we are now, you know, talking to clients about. And I love the way that you positioned it before in one of our sessions that you said, you know, you, we close 100% of our ideal clients. I love that. I'm going to put that in a mug and drink coffee out of that every (laughs) five in the morning. (laughs) It's it's true because an ideal client is one that wants to hire you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No brainer. Yeah. If they get scared off by your process or your price or they don't want all of that, they just want the video like they're not your ideal client. (laughs) Absolutely. Which is what this which is what this $200 dude wanted. Okay. So, so the third piece, just to uh, put a pin in this is, you know, I don't know if this is the right thing or not, but this was my recommendation to you and you're doing it. And I, and I stand by it a hundred percent. Basically, I think that because the Philippines in particular has been brand, it's, it's really been branded in the entrepreneurial world as an, as a low cost outsourcing resource, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like the brand of the Philippines, yes. <laughs> really, yeah. to entrepreneurs. So it doesn't, that does not work for your business because your business is not that at all. Your business mm-hmm. is very much strategic, very high quality, high level, like all, all, all of the things that are not that brand. So it's not that it's, it's like unfortunate that the brand of the country that you live in does, is not conducive to selling that kind of services. So basically what I suggested was you don't need to be in the Philippines. You can be location agnostic, yeah. right? Like most, a lot of businesses, especially in the agency world, they they don't talk about where they are because it doesn't matter where they are, right? Yeah. They could be in some podunk town somewhere and it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah. Everything yeah. is virtual. Anyway, so I kind of said, well, why do you have to be in the Philippines? Can't you just not be in the, can't you just not be anywhere? And yeah. so that's what you've been doing. And I, you know, I think a lot of these people you're talking to are still coming, correct me if I'm wrong, they're still coming from places like they knew you before. Yeah, yeah. These were old inquiries. They were, they inquired to us via LinkedIn like years ago. And then I just started reaching out to them because we have this new business model. And so that's what, that's what happened. So they, I, I think they really came from that place where, you know, the Philippines is a place where I outsource cheap labor. And, you know, we, we kind of, we, we saw the need for us to, continuously build our authority so that we're not being seen as, you know, people to outsource cheap labor to 
but someone who can actually, you know, we provide value just as, you know, a lot of Filipinos can do as well. You know, they can provide yeah. like immense value. You know, I, I don't want like the Philippines to be known for, you know, cheap labor. I want the Philippines to be known for people who can provide a lot of value to businesses everywhere. Because that's how we are. Yeah. And the only way that's going to happen is if companies like yours build up your brands. Yeah. But you're not, you don't necessarily, like, to me, it's, I'm not a good example because we do kind of use the Brooklyn thing. <laughs> but, if, <laughs> but if we, but if we weren't using that, it would be, you know, it's like, this is just our brand. Our brand is smart, strategic video, stop the scroll, all of that. Mm -hmm. And, and we we happen to be in the Philippines and the more companies that are like that, I feel like there will be that, yeah. that shift, but it, it's going to require, I don't know, a mass, a, a movement of, of companies like that. Or yeah. maybe there are, I mean, I, now that I'm saying that there's of course plenty of companies like that in the Philippines and they're probably not branding themselves as the Philippines for this exact reason. That's very true. There's a lot of Filipino companies and well, some of them have, you know, dot PH, but uh -huh. I think it's because they've established themselves first before mm -hmm. they they went ahead and, you know, put the Philippines part back into their name. But for us, it's not a matter of, you know, us not being nationalistic. In fact, we love our country, but it's just a matter really of, you know, serving where you are. So that's that's really it for us, you know, yeah. and, and, if, and if we have that barrier that kind of barrier to entry, then we need to do whatever it takes to just kind of get our foot through the door. And then when they see us on video and then they see that we're Asian and they see that, you know, we're, they ask us where we're from, then we say we're from the Philippines. And then that kind of mentality sinks in, then I know that it's not my client. So mm -hmm. I, I think I, I did also kind of do an extra step where I, I do like a, a lead intake form and then i tell them my price right away just so they know that okay this is what it's going to cost you this is a discovery call but this is what it's going to cost you if you really want to work with me so if you don't want to pay this price then let's not get on this call waste our time yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah the, and that's a beautiful thing about putting your prices up or putting them front and center is you filter yeah. people out and yeah. don't waste your time Hey guys, if you love this podcast, if you love this episode, I would be grateful if you would share it with a friend who would benefit or better yet on Instagram in your stories and tag me at Pia Loves Your Biz. It really is the best way for others to find out about the show and I thank you in advance for your help. The No BS Agency podcast is produced by Yellow House Media. Coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Sean and Tara McMullen. Our theme music is Knock 'em Down by The Shrugs. 